there's nothing worse. Like, and when you're making your own meal plan, you'll see this too. If you're following a bunch of different recipes, the worst thing to do is find recipes from all different types of books. And then one book is cooking with coconut oil. The other book is cooking with olive oil. And then the other book has tallow. And all of a sudden you have to buy three different types of fats. Now, if you have a bunch of ingredients in your pantry, this might not be an issue for you. But if you have a budget that you're trying to stick to, this can blow your grocery budget. Today's episode is labeled fatty coffees, carb ups, fasting, and meal plans. So we're going to be covering a bunch to do with this in a Q&A episode that I recorded in 2020. So I still get these questions today as it relates to whether or not fatty coffees break a fast. So we're going to be delving deep in there. We're going to be talking about the benefits of carb ups, when to know you're ready for them, and how to incorporate fasting, and then the meal plan portion. So if you are looking for ketogenic meal plans, you've kind of been looking high and low, perhaps you're gluten-free, you have some sensitivities, including dairy. I do have weekly meal plans available for all listeners. You can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash balanced keto and check out your free sample there. Check it out, download it, use it, and see if it would benefit you. Also in today's episode, we talk a little bit about probiotics and my approach to probiotics has changed quite drastically since I recorded this episode in 2020. This was before I studied a significant amount of um, diagnostic solutions, GI maps, and really started to understand the different dysbiotic patterns present in our gut. And so I would be a little bit hesitant to just throw yourself on a probiotic, especially if you're dealing with certain gut issues, because different gut issues will respond to probiotics differently. Usually the best probiotic I find when we're not really sure what's going on with the gut is going to be something called Espilardi. Okay, so this probiotic not only is a great mold binder, but is also usually pretty safe for individuals that are either dealing with SIBO or H. pylori or some sort of gut imbalance. It can also help to lower our secretory IgA. Um, Secretory IgA is increased with people that have infections, but it can be decreased. This is what we mostly care about, the decrease. So these secretory IgA, think of them like gut soldiers, and they're the primary immunoglobulin in the intestinal mucosa. They're really the first line of defense in response to antigens and pathogens. So you can imagine that when you have an infection, right, those little gut soldiers are going to go there. So if that infection has gone on for way, way, way too long, our immune system is suppressed, usually due to chronic dysbiosis, and Espilardi can be be helpful in that area. So it's a probiotic. It's usually pretty low in strain. So it's usually pretty acceptable for most people. There are a couple of probiotics that I really, really, really love, but you really need to know what kind of dysbiotic pattern you have in your gut, right? So SIBO, for example, you probably wouldn't want to go with any lactobacilli strains. Um, You'll probably want to take a break from that, especially if you suspect SIBO. Something like Restore Flora, for example, which has, I believe, a little bit of Espilardi in there, would be more beneficial. Whereas something like H. pylori and H. pylori infection, which is further up in in the digestive system, in the stomach primarily, 
I usually like to use S. Bilardi for that, right? So if you have, say, an insufficiency pattern in the gut, then you're better off using a whole host of different probiotics, sometimes multiple at the same time in super high strains, whereas somebody with SIBO, you would not want to do that approach, right? So the type of probiotic you use depends on the situation that's in the gut. So I just wanted to preface that before we get to today's episode. So again, throughout today's episode, some of the resources that you might need are going to include that balanced keto uh, link, which you can find by going to healthfulpursuit.com slash balanced keto. Okay, enjoy today's episode. Hey, my name is Leanne Vogel. I'm fascinated with helping women navigate how to eat, move, and care for their bodies using a low-carb diet. I'm a small-town holistic nutritionist turned three-time international best-selling author turned functional medicine practitioner, offering telemedicine services around the globe to women looking to better their health and stop second-guessing themselves. I'm here to teach you how to wade through the wellness noise to get to the good stuff that'll help you achieve your goals. We're supporting your low-carb life beyond the if-it-fits-your-macros conversation. Hormones, emotions, relationship to your body, workouts, letdowns, motivation, blood work, detoxing, metabolism. I'm providing the tools to put your motivation into action. Think of it like quality time with your bestie mixed with a little med school so you're empowered at your next doctor visit. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn about your body and how to care for it better. This is the Keto Diet Podcast. Okay, our first question is from Leticia. Hi, I have been thinking about purchasing your meal plans, but I was curious to know if the meals change daily or if they are the same Monday to Friday or Monday to Sunday. I personally don't like the hassle of having to cook even if simple every day. The simpler, the better. When I started keto last year, I purchased a meal plan from Keto Connect and loved it. I've been wanting to buy another to mix it up, but all the ones I've looked at seem to be a bit much for me. If you could please let me know, I'd appreciate it. Leticia, I think this... Your question is great and I'm going to get to it, but I also wanted to talk just about meal planning, meal prep, how to how to balance things because I agree with you. When when you're following a meal plan and they're telling you to make something brand new for breakfast, lunch and dinner every single day, I can't even. And in my balanced keto meal plans, I repeat meals. So let's say you're making a lunch, a big salad, right? Why would you make that once if you could make it three times and package it up and know that the leftovers will be fine on Tuesday and Thursday of this week? So in my meal plans and also in all of my books, the Keto Diet and also the Keto Diet Cookbook, each of those meal plans and outlines allow you to repeat meals so that you're not throwing out leftovers or not having leftovers and having to make all of your meals. So I do repeat them. Now, it's a fine line, you know, when you're meal planning and meal prepping, you don't really like, at least for me, I don't want to eat the same lunch Monday to Friday. I want some variety. So overall, I would say that any of the meal plans that I put together, not only for my books or in balanced keto or for my family, 
A lot of the times I'll use the same ingredients. So I'll use celery a couple of different ways or apples a couple of different ways. And that way I can mix and match and it's really easy to prep. Now, when it comes to balanced keto specifically, all the meals are super simple. So when I was developing the program and continue to add new plans to it every week, I keep things really, really dulled down so that you're repeating similar meals. You're repeating similar ingredients for that one week. So you don't have to buy a whole bunch of stuff because there's nothing worse. Like, and when you're making your own meal plan, you'll see this too. If you're following a bunch of different recipes, the worst thing to do is find recipes from all different types of books. And then one book is cooking with coconut oil. The other book is cooking with olive oil. And then the other book has tallow. And now all of a sudden you have to buy three different types of fats. Now, if you have a bunch of ingredients in your pantry, this might not be an issue for you. But if you have a budget that you're trying to stick to, This can blow your grocery budget. So it can be really helpful. And I love this idea, Leticia, where you are following one meal plan for a little while, getting all the strategies together, really understanding how these people cook, how they prep, learning from them, and then going on to the next resource and seeing it more as a learning. Because I think when we start to learn these things, then we can start to apply them and we don't need to always rely on resources. So I agree with you, the simpler, the better, but also to add a little bit of variety. And how I do that is repeating the meals two, three, usually two to three times a week. You're eating the same thing, max four. I try not to do four because I feel like that's like pushing it. Like if you were eating the same lunch every day, no thank you. So I hope that answers your question, Leticia. I hope that that helps answer meal planning overall. And if you're looking for a really good meal planning book on keto, I wrote one. It's called The Keto Diet Cookbook. We should have named it Keto Meal Planning 101 or something like that, but we didn't. But if you just go to Amazon or your favorite bookstore locally and just look for The Keto Diet Cookbook, it has a turquoise cover. I'm on the front. There's a bunch of tasty treats. Next question is from Trish. You talk about probiotics. Which ones do you recommend? I recently not only had a hysterectomy, but three months later, my appendix decided it wanted out too. Thank you. By the way, love your podcast. Been following you forever. Have your cookbooks. Missed you in Calgary, though. Oh, it was such a great event. Oh, Calgary was my, oh, I guess I can't say it was my favorite, but it kind of was because it's my hometown. Come on. We just found your podcast. So awesome. Trish, thank you so much for following along and loving all the things. I hope you are on the mend and you're feeling really good and your body's healing. Probiotics. Okay. I think the key to a probiotic is trusting a reputable brand. And there are a couple of brands that I really know and love. The first is Wolf Clinic and the second is Renew Life. Ooh, I also have another one. Dr. O'Hara. Dr. O'Hara is another really good brand. So those three brands are my personal favorite. Now I like to rotate my probiotics often. So as soon as I'm done with the Wolf Clinic one, I'll move over to the Dr. O'Hara one and then I'll move over to the Renew Life and then I'll repeat. I really like the Dr. O'Hara brand because um, you don't have to refrigerate it. And as somebody who travels a whole bunch, putting my probiotics in the refrigerator, like I have a bottle of probiotic, Renew Life probiotics that say that it should be in the fridge. And if I put it in the fridge, I'll never remember to take it. So it sits out on the counter and I know I'm ruining everything. Another great thing is to make your own yogurt if you want to go that far. Um, I make some in my Instant Pot and my pressure cooker. I really like it. It works really well for me. I use the probiotic starters and I add like way more than you probably should. And I get it really, really, really high and I add that yogurt to everything. There's also a couple of amazing 
water kefirs that you can consume that are really great. Kavita is one of my favorite brands. There's also a new one. I can't remember the name of it. I ordered, I bought it once and I really loved it from Whole Foods. It was unsweetened. Oh, I wish I could remember. And I should have bought some before we left for the Bahamas, but I just didn't. But look in the... In the supplement section where they keep the probiotics, sometimes they have like probiotic supplements and kefir is really good. Water kefir specifically because it's dairy free. So I hope that answers your question, Trish. Next question is from Tiffany. What does a low carb diet do for your hypothyroidism? Okay, I've done a couple of podcast episodes on the thyroid that you might want to check out, Tiffany. The first one is episode 192, Why You Need to Care About Your Thyroid. That was a very, very, very good one. And then episode 222, The Nightmare of Going Off My Thyroid Medications. Definitely listen to that one. So those two resources should really help you. Now, I found that as somebody with hypothyroidism, when I eat less carbohydrates, I do better. However, and I outlined this in my first book, The Keto Diet, when you are hypothyroid, you may require more carbohydrates than the 20 grams that is generally allotted for keto. So if you find that by reducing your carbohydrates down to 20 grams, you start to not feel so good, it could be because you need carb ups. If you are new to the carb up realm, welcome. Thanks for being here. You can just go to the Google machine and type in carb up healthful pursuit or carb up Leanne Vogel. I developed the carb up protocol. There are many different, I think, carb up protocols at this point. I can't speak to other people's protocols. I developed it when I thought people were going to like throw tomatoes at me on stage when I talked about eating carbs on the ketogenic diet. But it seems to be a pretty common thing now, which is so, so great. So you may just require a little bit more carbs because you just find that you start to, to develop more hypothyroid symptoms than you did before you went keto. But overall, I would say eating less carbs has been great for me. I just find like I need more carbs when my thyroid tells me I do. How I know that I need carbs is when I crave carbs. If I wake up in the morning and I'm really, really hungry, that's a sign that I need a carb up. So I'll wait until the evening, have my carb up. Also, if I'm thinking about carbs all day, that's a day that I'll have a carb up. Like yesterday, I could not get potatoes out of my mind. All day we were working and then we went snorkeling and we I was reading for the afternoon and then I did some sessions and then I worked a little bit more and the whole time I couldn't stop thinking about potatoes and onions. Oh my gosh, that's all I wanted. So guess what? For dinner, I made potatoes and onions and I had my fair share and I was good. Had some chicken with it. It was great. But had I not listened to that, my thyroid would have been a little bit lower. I would have been sluggish the next day. I would have still craved potatoes, but maybe instead I would have had some cake too. So it's really important that we listen to our cravings and we move forward with what feels good in our body. So I hope that was helpful, Tiffany. When I started eating a low-carb diet in 2014, I had no idea the impacts that low electrolytes would have on my overall health. I started keto, I added a little bit of pink salt to my water, but really didn't think that a lack of sodium, potassium, or magnesium would really throw me off. I can tell you after a couple of weeks of eating the ketogenic diet, it was very apparent that I needed electrolytes. Unfortunately, at the time, there was no element electrolytes, there was no such thing. I really had two different options, they weren't the best. I went and added pink salt to my water, that tasted not so great. Fast forward a whole bunch of years, Element came out with their first electrolyte powder, and I've been hooked ever since. In fact, 
little secret here. I actually add more salt to my element packet because I'm crazy. So my very favorite way to enjoy element electrolytes is to add it to my 24 ounce water bottle and add an additional quarter teaspoon of gray sea salt. Now this isn't for everybody, but for individuals that are massively lacking sodium. I do have this issue personally. Um, it can display as allergies, apathy, abdominal bloating, depression, dizziness, fatigue, low blood pressure, low hydrochloric acid in your stomach, poor protein digestion, weakness, slow oxidation. And unfortunately, calcium supplements will make this even worse. And so if you think that maybe, maybe you need more sodium on your ketogenic diet, the best way to bump this up is with electrolyte packets. I've had many coaching friends and clients tell me that they're taking anywhere between two to six packets a day. I know that it is my most favorite way to prepare for a workout is doing my electrolytes about 30 minutes before I work out. If you haven't tried Element and you're looking for a different type of electrolyte or you've never tried them before and you're curious if this is the missing ticket in your ketogenic diet, you can go to drinklmnt.com, grab a couple items, and get a free sample pack with your order. That's eight single serving packets free with any element order. All you have to do is go to drinklmnt.com slash KDP, and you can get your free sample pack with any order. Now, this is totally risk-free. If you don't like what you get, contact them and you, they will give you your money back. No questions asked. You really have nothing to lose. It's a fantastic product. And I can't wait to hear which flavor is your favorite. Next question is from Sandra. Is Bulletproof Coffee okay in the morning and it won't break my fast? Sandra. I think that this is such a popular question. I've probably answered it on the podcast a couple of times, but I'm going to make like a definitive and put this in the title of the episode so that there is no question about whether or not I've answered this. Okay, there are two forms of fasting. Well, I guess there are multiple, but we're just going to focus on whether or not a fatty coffee or bulletproof coffee breaks a fast. So the short answer is yes, it breaks your fast, but no, it does not. And here's why. There are two different types of goals to fasting. One is autophagy. This is a cellular turnover of your cells, the turnover of your cells. So if your goal is to turn over your cells and live long and prosper and get lots of oxygen in your body and look younger for longer, then your goal is autophagy. Okay. If your goal is blood sugar regulation, then that's another goal. And just because you want, like, let's say you want both, you want to balance your blood sugar, also look great, turn over your cells, you get to choose. Some days go for the autophagy goal, other days go for the blood sugar balancing goal. It doesn't have to be one or the other. So if your goal is autophagy, then you cannot have anything, nothing, zero things while you're fasting. Water, ooh, and Earl Grey tea because the bergamot oil actually stimulates autophagy. That's it. That's all. That's all you got. But if your goal is blood sugar regulation, then it's really just about balancing your blood sugar. And bulletproof coffee should not boost your blood sugar. Neither would any fatty coffee or my rocket fuel latte. So if you're unsure of what a rocket fuel latte is, just go to the Google machine and type in rocket fuel latte. Bunch of recipes on there. I've done a whole bunch of um, recipes that you can use from chocolate ones to eggnog ones to everything in between. 
So if your goal is blood sugar regulation, then all you need to worry about is balancing your blood sugar. Now, of course, if you eat a bunch of carbs in the morning, your blood sugar is not going to be balanced. But if you have a touch of fat, a little bit of protein, a tiny bit of carbohydrate, your blood sugar is going to maintain balance and it'll be totally okay. So to answer your question, it is kind of a double piece here. One is, yes, it's going to break your fast if your goal is autophagy. But no, it's not going to break your fast if your goal is blood sugar. So it really depends on what your goal is. And again, to reiterate, you can change goals. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, it's autophagy. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, it's blood sugar regulation. You get to choose. You get to design it. See which one works best for you. Another thing you could try is do a whole week where you do anytime you're fasting, you're doing an autophagy fast where you're not having anything, maybe Earl Grey tea for that bergamot oil to help increase autophagy. And then the next week, you're doing a fatty coffee piece where every time you're fasting, maybe it's two times in the week, four times in the week, whatever it may be, you do a fatty coffee in the morning and you see which one makes you feel better. You may find that week one, you felt better. Week two, you felt better. And also keep in mind your cycle. Sandra, if you are still menstruating, this is going to matter. Okay. I find that when I'm ovulating, I do better with fatty coffee fasts where I'm having that fatty coffee in the morning. I'm waiting. Now on my period, I find that the more autophagy fast where I'm not eating in the morning feels better, but try it on. Note how you feel at different times in your cycle because that will impact it. Okay, next question is from Amanda. Can you give insight as to why I can't get my ketones over 0.5 and they mostly run around 0.3? My carbs are 20 to 50 grams daily. I crossfit and lift three to five times a week. I test my blood ketone meter. Help, I'm frustrated. Amanda, it's probably due to your workouts and when you're testing, if you're testing anywhere around your workouts, it could be that. You could also be one of those people that's super efficient at using your ketones and they're just not in your blood and that's cool too. I wouldn't worry too much about it. I think, you know, the ketogenic diet is so cool because we have this marker that we can use to tell us whether or not we are failing or we're successful on the diet, but it can create a lot of stress for so many of us. So I would go after, how are you feeling? How are your lifts? Another thing is if you're doing CrossFit, and lifting three to five times a week and you're not doing carb ups, like these are the type of activities that you're probably going to need to carb up. So if you're listening earlier to the carb up piece, you may have to increase your carbs in the evenings before your lifts or directly after CrossFit to replenish uh, your stores because these are the type of workouts where, you're, where you can't use ketones for. Now ketones will be used throughout your workout, but you need those fast burning energy and where you're going to get that is glucose. So you can do a quick Google search, helpful pursuit carb up and find a ton of resources um, that I've put out on the internet on that. Next question is from Lisa. I'm in Canada and looking for good wine recommendations. I know it's so brutal to find good wine in Canada because Americans have dry farm wines and like Dry farm wines, man, our whole boat. I think we have 51 bottles of dry farm wines. So if you haven't already listened to episode 85, you can head back on to 85 where we talk about wines. You can learn about wine, how you can still drink wine on your ketogenic diet. And then episode 112, we talk about wine as well. I clearly love wine a lot. However, 
Dry Farm Wines is not available to Canadians. So what do you do? How do you look for a healthy wine? Well, the first one is the alcohol content. If you're looking at a bunch of different types of wine, go for the lowest alcohol content. That's the first bit. Then you can look for the word natural. Any organic wines are going to be better. If you go to a wine store and you ask for a dry farmed wine and they know what you're talking about, like some of the good, good ones will know. You want to avoid cheap wine. Like any of the really cheap ones are going to have like horrible contaminants like arsenic in it. Now, when it comes to drinking wine, once you've found a good wine, like again, organic, low alcohol, natural, dry farmed, these are the words to be looking for. Now, when you get the wine, you've brought it home. Try drinking it with food. It not only amplifies the flavor of the food that you're drinking with it, but allows for slower alcohol absorption, which gives you more time to deal with the fact that, you know, alcohol is a toxin. So it takes your time with it. Also, adding water to your wine, mineral water can help with the dehydration that we get when we're drinking wine. I love adding sparkling mineral water to my wine. It's delicious. Yes, red, white, I'll do anything. Also drinking it with tea. Sometimes I'll mix in tea. I know it's crazy. Tea with wine and make these like little shakers. It's really, really good. But I think the most important thing here is look for natural, organic, biodynamic, dry farmed, low sulfite, low alcohol. Um, and if you're in the U.S., just go to dry farm wines because they're the best. If you go to healthfulpursuit.com slash favorites, you can check out my favorite wine there and grab a bottle for yourself. Okay, last question. Rachel, as a type 1 diabetic, can I still do the ketogenic diet? I think when it comes to any health imbalances or if you know of an imbalance that you have, it's best to chat with your doctor on that and find a doctor that specializes in the ketogenic diet with type 1 diabetes. But if I were type 1 diabetic and I found a doctor that specialized in keto, I would love to eat a ketogenic diet while being type 1. Okay, next up on the podcast, Sunday, March 1st, we have episode 236. We're going to be chatting with Kendra Holly on how to customize without the guilt. Then Wednesday, March 4th, we have episode 237. Lesia Holzapfel is coming on the show and chatting about eating keto with a family. I will see you guys soon and have a great rest of your day. Bye. I hope you enjoyed our time together. Again, this was a Q&A that I recorded in 2020. I love replaying these episodes and I hope you enjoyed today as well. If you're looking for keto meal plans, again, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash balanced keto and check that out and see if that would be beneficial for you. Okay, I'll see you back here next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Bye. Thanks for listening. Join us next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Looking for more resources? Go to healthfulpursuit.com for keto meal plans, weight loss programs, low-carb recipes, and oodles of free resources to get you going. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representation or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. 